Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mad Mamluks. I'm Mahi and I'm joined by my co-host Sheikh Amir Saeed and Sim. On uh, today's show, we welcome an old friend of ours and long overdue guest, Fahim Farouk from Focus 180 from Waterloo, Ontario, and that's not the town that Napoleon had that battle in. Am I right? That's right, man. That's right. So first of all, we want to. alaikum. Yeah, welcome, salam, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You may be all religious all of a sudden now. You walked in here with that, mashallah, like nice beard and like Turkish rings. Don't uh, forget the flag, bro. Oh, the we flag as well. Absolutely. So I had the pleasure, like I picked you up at, so it's about nine 9.30 Chicago time. So I've been with you for like almost the last six hours. So I picked this guy up from the uh, from his brother's uh, apartment. He's here visiting for a few weeks, for a few days. Um Fortunately, the rest of us have to go out to Isna this weekend, inshallah. Inshallah, I pray that we make it out because we got really bad weather in Chicago. But anyways, picked up on him. I went up on, he took, I took him to my barber and got my hair cut while he watched me. And then we <laughs> like, I vlogged the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what kind of content's going to come out of there, but, uh, w- and then when I came out to these burbs. So it was a lot of driving, got some Italian beef from Lovato's and, uh, you know, uh, you, you said you felt like trash though. <laughs> no, 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 I felt You're good. good. Okay. I felt good. Cool. I felt. I felt. Uh, you know that. You know the the food coma. Yeah. That's how. That's what I felt. Okay. That's, that's, a lot of people feel that that's trash. I'm glad you liked it. That's good. For me, it's it's rare. Okay. I'm, I'm eating clean. Okay. That's yeah. a good I'm thing. So, um, the thing about Fahim, we were uh, talking on the way over here, is that Fahim is one of three brothers, and those of you guys who know <clears> about Focus One Eighty, he's got a, and I'm sure we'll get more details, but it's like mm-hmm. a support group for Muslim bro- Muslim dudes. Trying to get their act together, fitness, spirituality, just holistic living, clean eating, all that stuff, right? That's right. You were making the pitch to my barber. And I remember um, as we were coming up here, you're obviously like a pretty eligible bachelor, 25-year-old dude, and <laughs> he always entertains us. See, we all, we all married guys have been like married nine years, what, yeah. 10, 15, 16? Yeah, we all live vicariously through this guy. You know, and he's always talking about like, there's these, ask, there's these tools that they have now called like Muzmatch that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And like swiping left and right. I was like, dang. So like, there's this whole new dynamic about like being single and Muslim. Mm-hmm. But it also sounds like it also poses a lot of problems. Maybe back in our time. Oh, yeah, loads of problems. I think it, it just uh, was a lot <coughs> uh, simpler for us in many ways. I mean, I know I met my wife in like February mm-hmm. of the one year and then like we were married by June, right? Like it was a pretty quick turnaround, like it's four months, like, you know? Yeah. You know, but now it's like maybe there's so more there's more tools, but it's also more baggage. February to June, yeah, okay. right. Better than like February and the next weekend, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. So talk to us a little bit about the what's the landscape like for a single dude, Muslim sure. dude trying to be on the dean, um, trying to get married. <coughs> oh, the juicy stuff! You want to you want all the juicy stuff, huh? Okay. Well, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Wassalatu Wassalamu Ala Rasulullah, Allah. But the landscape is—it's a disaster out there, man. Uh-oh. I'll be blind, man. Why is it's it? A, it's a wasteland out there. Bro. What? It's a wasteland, dude. When we were young, we would—we would have killed to have apps like Muzmatch and <laughs> Minder, Minder, and all the good stuff. And you guys, but here's the thing: don't seem like you guys know how to handle those tools. If you—if your goal is to be 
a straightforward man, and you just want a straightforward um, marital process where both sides are from the get-go honest, both sides are clear about their intents, then it's a wasteland out there. Simply because, <coughs> excuse me, these apps, they're attracting all kinds of demographics. And it's very hard, even with the filters, which you have to pay for. If you want to get the filters to really work, you got to get the premium versions. And even with the filters, it's very dif difficult um, for you to screen which person you're getting matched with. You see what I mean? For my own statistics, I think that at least 70% on these apps are, are frankly people who've chosen to be trashy. You know, they've chosen to commit to that lifestyle. Maybe 15% uh, 15% are, you know, they're workable. If, if dating was halal, they would they would fall into the, okay, this is this is like girlfriend material. I wouldn't really, I don't think I could, I could envision a marriage with this person in the long run, children. I could probably have a temporary relationship with this person, get along for this period of time. But <clears throat> marriage probably won't work. And then you have about uh, 10% who, pretty good. These are people you could actually work with, for sure. 5% absolute gems. So as you can see, the chances of you getting matched with that 5%, very low. The chances of you getting matched with the 70%, very high. So 70% of these like people who are up for like one night stands and stuff? Absolutely. So Whoa. they all find each other, right? So wouldn't you think that 70% will just find each other? And a majority of these people are Muslim? Many of them will identify with being Muslim. Okay. But here's the problem. On these profiles, Muslimatch, for example, that's the one I have more experience with. You can choose your... Uh, religiosity levels, right? Yeah. So you can, everything very from cool. not practicing at all to very practicing. <laughs> so anyway. Obviously, you put you set the slide <laughs> very high, right? Yeah, for me, I put like you know everything from what I've set my my uh, my preferences to my own descriptions, my descriptors, and my actual bio indicates that I'm a guy who's serious about marriage, and I'm an Orthodox Muslim. Um, I make it very clear. I even use words like akida in my biography. You'll find maybe one percent of people on the app will use that word, right? Mm. Very few will even say we'll start with assalamu alaikum. Most will be like hello, hi, and so I made it clear that this is who I am. But you'll find cases that are complicated because at first they'll say we're moderately practicing, um, usually praise, and then you'll find out that the girl goes clubbing with her family. With her, her fam family? What? What does that mean? Why would you go clubbing with your family? I know. You see what I'm saying? Because I shocking. think what he's trying to say is that the family culture itself the family is culture. not really doesn't really care. Like guys that <laughs> back in the '90s when guys didn't well, have but, to hide oh, from their families. Man, you're misinterpreting it. She's probably talking about her mahram. She's taking her brother <laughs> or, or her father with her to the club. That's right. She no, doesn't no, no, want no. to go without her mahram to the club. That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> she is taking her mahram, but what does that say about the mahram? Yeah. Think about that. We were just saying that as a joke, but you actually brought up a very good point. Think about that, though. And yeah. I'll tell you what. I, I once spoke to one girl. This is this is actually a real story. She's she's actually the one who did say that she's trying she's trying to become more practicing, which is good, good for her. But while she would try to pray sometimes, if there was a big occasion like a, a new family member or a cousin coming to visit from out of town or from out of the country, they would celebrate by going to a local club. And she'd be like, I take my cousins, my sister, my brother-in-law, my brother. I'm like, so like, what happens if you're at the club and you are getting, you're dancing and then some random guy comes up to you and starts dancing with you? What, what did your, I said, what does your brother do? And she's like, 
he just, you know, tries to pull me away. And I'm like, he just tries to pull you away? Just half-heartedly? Yeah. And I'm like, how does that dynamic even work? Like, do you, So you go you go there to look out for each other. I, okay, I can understand that. It's haram, obviously, but I can see that somehow, in some way, you're trying to <coughs> make it a bit more justifiable. You're trying to make it seem like it's a little bit more accountable than you going by yourself. But that's like, that's hypocrisy to the max, you know? That's hypocrisy to the max. This same guy, when he found out that I wanted him to know that I'm talking to her, he's like, he tells the, tells the girl, uh, stop talking to this guy, he's weird. Why does he want to talk to me? I'm like, I'm sorry, with all due respect, does your brother have a spy? Wow. <laughs> now, now, what what ethnicity are, are these people that you're mainly meeting? Bangladeshis? Bengalis? Oh. Not, not all of them, but this particular one. Whoa. Yeah. I New thought, York. Well, you guys are East Pakistan. <laughs> I can expect that there, kind of stuff. And, and there's something about the New Yorkers. I don't know if this is a generalization or not. Toronto, too. Toronto Bengalis are also kind of... Kind of like that. Okay, I see that. But the New Yorkers, they they have this perception that they're in the best city in the world. Yeah. And that I, I noticed that there's a certain demographic that you have, like, parents. They kind of got into the country. I don't, I don't know if in the most legit ways. They're not necessarily, necessarily the most educated in terms of having secular education. Socioeconomically, they may not be high middle class. They might be a little bit lower. And <clears throat> the second generation, the kids who grew up here, they got degrees and whatnot. But... It's almost like they, they, they're struggling to develop um, it, it, while being trapped in two worlds. Shame culture, the shame culture of like the, the sort of old school village mentality, and then American, an American identity. And so you end up with these girls who, are, who have so many issues because they, they don't have one face, right? They don't have one sense of self. They have like three, four, five. I, I want to pray. But then, oh, by the way, I, uh, I got pregnant three times. Uh, what? Whoa. Three times. Three times. True story, too. Three times. Mm-hmm. And she did abortions? Allahu alam, she said miscarriages, but... Yeah. By three different dudes? Same dude, boyfriend. Drug dealer. Oh, wow. Fuck that girl. Mm-hmm. I felt really heartbroken. Wait, wait, so... I thought your, your slider is all <clears> to <throat> the max religiosity factor. And but he's looking... Look, he, he's a good-looking fit dude. Most Bengali guys yeah. look like me with a dead bod, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you know? By the way, dead bods are yeah, in. I, he, dead bods are in. Cute girls still don't like. I, you are really handsome Bengalis. I didn't generally associate beauty like, with Bengali. Yeah, he looks at me all day. I, no, no offense. I mean, I only know five. He'll Bengali. Save you both offensive mom and be like, sorry, no offense. You guys are ugly. No, no offense. No. To be honest, I've only met two Bengalis in my life, Mahin and Fahim. So Fahim, your competition is Mahin. So. That's no, Mahin's dude, Mahin's a handsome dude. I like, I like, I like Mahin's uh, Mahin, I got you, bro. Look at his cut, man. He's still leaving me hanging. Mahin. <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's yeah, weird, though. Chicago don't, don't hardly has any Bengalis. I mean, they do, but I don't not know. that many. Um, They're around. They're just at these... Uh, I think there's more in the UK. There's a lot of Bengalis. There's a lot of Bengalis in Chicago. And it was because of the the migration time, I think. And that's that's why... So, it's interesting. So, first of all, New York. Let's talk about New York and Toronto. In my observation, I lived in Toronto for two years. So, the family dynamic is such that it's usually like... It's like Chicago. I grew up in Ohio, right? Can't say come into Ohio straight from Dhaka. Or like Delhi or... Where are y'all from? Like Hyderabad? Yeah. Cats are coming somewhere like New York or Toronto, the big city or L.A., right? So these people in New York never left. They just stayed there. So that was their first exposure. Sometimes their parents are 
the lifestyle there also isn't as Toronto is like it's very hectic as far as the parents having to work multiple jobs because it's yeah, too expensive yeah. to live there. Absolutely. Right? So they're never home. And then like, you know, um what's her name? Shasha is just out hanging out with like Jose on the corner in the Bronx and like getting knocked up. Right? It's unfortunate that. You know? Um I recommend, though, but you said munches. Some people come out of here illegally, so I would recommend the ICE do their job and deport these Bengalis <laughs> so they can protect their gene. <laughs> right? Welcome to the Mad Monks. <laughs> We're mad. I mean, they're just, I think that would help solve the problem, though, at least, right? Because if they're in DACA, they're not getting knocked up as much. If they're in DACA, actually, um, you'd be surprised, man. You would be surprised. They, they, it'll happen, except... Differences, they'll get secret abortions. Oh, the, 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 those wire hangers. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, I don't, I don't even want to think about That's what they disturbing. do. But oh. I know, I know very terrible stories. I know, I know a sister. She mm. told me herself, um, and they had, there's a happy ending to this because she she made a good step. But she tells me herself that one day she's in the hospital and she hears something from the from a garbage can nearby. Yeah, sounds like some kind of a an animal at first. But as she gets closer and closer, she can hear crying. This is Bangladesh? This is Bangladesh. Dhaka. In Dhaka. She gets closer and closer. She can hear crying. And then she opens the lid and sees there's a live baby. What? In the garbage. She picks the baby up and decides to adopt the baby. She maybe has a home, alhamdulillah. But <clears throat> this stuff happens. You know? Wow. So, what, where are you at now? I mean, have you found any religious sisters? I mean, yes, are, you, are you all, And are you only exploring like Bengali sisters? or No, no, I'm, I'm exploring other dem- uh, ethnicities. How, how do your parents feel about that? They're cool. They're right. cool. I think my, my even my own, my own parents, they've come to a realization that it's not easy to find a, you know, a certain type of person within one ethnicity. Mm, yeah. Especially when, you, when you're in a, single, a certain country that's not even dominated by that ethnicity. You're already a minority and you're looking within another minority. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like the problem is squared. Exactly. You all, know, right, all right. Well, well. Okay. Now, when when you meet a lot of these sisters, mm-hmm. how how does the conversation start? Because I'm <laughs> hearing, you know, how how things happened when I was young and how things are interact. I mean, I met my wife through the internet. I mean, it was a mutual friend who really got us together. But she was a an online friend who put me in touch with a family from Arkansas, where she's from. And I ended up messaging her on what was back then called AOL Instant Messenger. There's no way you would know it. <laughs> no, no, I do. In the 90s, it was still around early 2000s. Oh, wow, okay. They were trying to market it, but MSN came in the, on the scene. Uh-huh. Remember that? MSN, yeah, yeah. Messenger. MSN Messenger. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to compare how conversation goes now compared to back then. Because now, back then, it was like, holy cow, it's a Muslim girl. And mm-hmm. you don't get that many opportunities, so you better make it work, and <coughs> you better change your tone and whatever bad habits you have. You know, if you're yeah, a smoker, yeah. you're no longer a smoker. What, like, what are... like, like those overnight miracle transformations. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, right now, um, on these apps, if for like I mentioned earlier, if you get the premium version on, on Muzmatch, for instance, and you are setting your own filters to an older age range, yeah. you yourself are a little older, yeah. automatically that's going to filter out a lot of the younger people who are filled with toxic people. Mm. Right? If you, just because they're older doesn't guarantee that they're healthy. You can have kids. Well, older people also realize, like, well, I'm, I'm on the clock, mm. and I don't have much time left. A lot of the younger men that's and right. women, they both realize, like, oh, well, you know, the, the pool is pretty big. They can waste time. Yeah. They can waste time. 
Exactly. All the people, there are cases I know where you have someone who's not even divorced yet. Let's say a sister, she's not even divorced yet, and she's already looking, she starts talking to you, and you're wondering, why are you talking to me if you're still technically married? Ooh. She's like, I'm going to get married. This is Once something that happened to you. Get divorced, you mean? No. Sorry? Oh, you mean she's going to get divorced? She's going to get divorced, but she's not. She's, she's, she's making her exit strategy already. Yeah. You see what I mean? She wants to make now, sure she has a backup I'm, plan. I'm imagining that this is the exception to the norm amongst she, sh- she should meet another guy who has the same backup strategy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a match made in heaven. More, more congruence. Anyway, That'd be a real match. You're not match. divorced yet? Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm not divorced yet. I'm not divorced yet either. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's this phenomenon. I start, you know, I know some brothers <clears throat> that are my age that aren't married or weren't married before. And everyone's on apps. It's not just Muzzmatch, but I just want to know because I never wanted to ask them because I don't like to pry into people's business too much. That's the best part. No, but everyone is on Tinder or they were, you know, at least a year ago. Tinder's for the Kufariani. No, so check this out. I know a lot of Muslim guys that are on Tinder. So, and some of them are somewhat like practicing, but so are they just like looking for one night stands on Tinder? Are they actually looking for like... And also guys that just are on Tinder just to check out the girls and their pictures and stuff. Yeah. And Which is kind like, of stupid. It is kind of weird, oh, but yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like it's normal, though. Which you shouldn't, but if you do... No, but it's normal for a lot of guys, Muslim guys, too, to be on Tinder. Well, they, they, they want to find a second wife. <laughs> no, but <laughs> some of these guys aren't even married. They've been married before. Oh, you, oh you're I just talking about talking single about, bachelors? Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean... You're not going to find serious polygamous people on that. You're going to find Tinder. <laughs> Because I don't know if you guys know, I mean, like, there's a lot of Muslim guys on Tinder. Oh, yeah? A lot of Muslim guys on Tinder. I was actually really surprised. And they talk about it really similarly. Like, I went out to eat with some dudes, and they're like, oh, there's a girl in this area. I was like, what is he doing? I didn't want to oh, say anything. Cause like I'm that. Like, I'm wondering how, I thought yeah. people are, like, com- coming, no, no, no. coming to you for counseling. And then, like, you, oh, you do a lot of counseling. No, no, no. And I was just like. You, you mean Muslim dudes, like, in our kind of age group? genre? Yes, group? yes. But they're younger. Right? No, I would say they're like probably some of them are probably a little younger, a little older. Are they married? married? Seriously, some of them are married, some okay. of them are not. That's that to me. That's a surprise because <clears throat> in my experience, when I when I deal with a lot of my clients, a lot of the dudes that do use Tinder uh, and they're trying to form relationships, if they're Muslim, regardless of, or uh, if they're non-Muslim, regardless of that, they're usually in their twenties. And I do have clients who are much older, but the ones who are older, they don't they don't tend to be on these apps. They don't tend to be on apps like Tinder. Hmm. As for the Muslim guys who are on it, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a conundrum when you find a Muslim guy who's religious, but he's on it. I think that the reality is that... <clears throat> but they're very vocal about it. They're not, like, trying to hide it. Oh, so you're talking about those texts? Yeah. I, to be honest, I have never met a religious Muslim brother who's vocal about it. He'll do it on the hush. Hmm. He won't be vocal about it. Outside, especially his immediate circle. Hmm. Only within his immediate circle, he'll be like a little bit more open. Like, okay, you know, you know what, guys, uh, this is what I'm doing. But the ones who have, who have skin in, in the game of say dawah or they give khutbahs, they would never. Yeah, actually, they yeah, they're, they're not at that level, but yeah. yeah. But it, I just found it surprising because those who talking about it while they're eating dinner and stuff, I was like, oh, there's a girl in this area. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> and that's it, weird it's not like saying, okay, guys, they don't like have a confession. <clears throat> they're just like talking about it normally. But everybody, they don't realize you're a chef. And like, and like, uh, hey, that's, uh, weird, man. that's kind of disrespectful, man. I, yeah. I understand, like, you want to, you know, show off to your boys about some girl who. But I am their, but know, I am their boy. I mean, like, you have to understand, bro. Like, when you and me hang out together, yeah. we're boys. You're like, oh, he's a sheikh. I'm gonna be all. Yeah, weird. but I mean, still, like, 
There's no, like no. me, and then there's everyone else, right? No, no, we no. have something special. I'm actually glad people don't feel I, that way. I do yeah. feel a little bit of Lira, you know, <laughs> who's talking to him? Who's gotten that comfortable with Sheikh Hamer? That no, I mean, I'm glad I, people... I, I, I think you're a Sheikh. No, I, you probably think so, sure. but I'm actually glad people don't <laughs> act that way. Like, I like to be human too, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I like to hang out with people and be human. Yeah. I don't like to go everywhere where people mm-hmm. think that I'm something I don't know, and they like start, the like, standing up for me, you know, and start, like, saluting me and stuff like... But, you know, for me, though, I don't need to create a dichotomy of sheikh and human. I can see you as a sheikh and a human. You see what I mean? I don't think most people think like that. I don't think people think like that. Not, I think that society promotes this problem. I, this is exactly what I meant when I said earlier about how there are girls growing up in context where they're forced to, uh, not necessarily forced, but they're, they're influenced to develop five faces. They're trying to preserve their heritage. They're trying to um, uh, fit in with their non-Muslim friends. They're trying to uh, solidify an identity <clears throat> that encompasses their culture, religion, their profession, their you know their aspirations, and that when when you try to fit all of these often contradictory sets together, what happens? You get you, be, you yourself become a contradictory person, and you be often very time oftentimes you become a toxic person. You know, you know when people talk about you know that person has yeah. this personality disorder, that personality disorder. We look at the statistics right now of how personality disorders, their incidence is increasing. More and more people are being diagnosed with them. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it correlates with the fact that society today is conditioning people to be two-faced and three-faced and four-faced. You know? Yeah. Like you guys said, back in the old days, it was simple. Well, it wasn't. Look, everyone goes <clears throat> through uh, a phase. Well, I've decided. I shouldn't say everyone. I, I had to make an active choice mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle of my marriage. Not, Maybe not middle, but earlier on in my marriage, I'm like, you know, I can't be, I can't show a different face to my friends and a different face to my wife. I have to be the same person. I have to merge these two personalities together. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way I can find some kind of peace, you know? Like, can it be possible that, look, I don't always necessarily think it's two faces. <coughs> um, you just have a certain relationship with your wife and a certain relationship <clears throat> with your friends. It doesn't mean, uh, and this is just the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. Um, you will just have a certain, and your wife will usually know that, hey, he has, like, I, I made a comment today yeah. to my wife. And she's like, yeah, there's probably something you should uh, say to your friends and not to me. So she kind of understands it. Like, it was a meme that says some girls are, uh, uh, what was that meme? It was really, really funny, man. Some uh, so some girls are Barbies and some girls are Annabelle or something like that. Oh, right. yeah. What's that mean? I said I said that. Did you? Was that you? <laughs> I read so many memes today. What wait, was wait, it? Do you remember what Annabelle that meme was? That, that yeah, yeah, doll? It said it said uh, all all women are dolls. Yeah, all women are dolls. Some are Barbies or some and some are Annabelle. Yeah. Oh, the Annabelle the horror movie. Yeah, I didn't understand yeah. the reference. Yeah, he saw. Holy cow! Annabelle is for the listeners who haven't seen Annabelle is a very scary doll. The reason why he's uh he had such a reaction that was a genuine reaction is because he is terrified of horror movies. When we saw Conjuring, we saw Conjuring together. And that's when we were going through a phase when we were really getting into Rukhia and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And uh, That'll be can, for can another I, episode. Can I tell them uh, what your reaction was when the scary parts came up? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, and all this stuff. And I look at Sim, and he's like, I swear to God, this was a few years ago. And he just like well, this. I looked at okay. him. I started laughing in the middle of the... <laughs> but but the thing is that, so I showed that to her. Okay. And, uh, you know, so, you know, all girls are dolls and some are uh, Barbie and some are Annabelle. Oh, I forgot to transition. You Can, can you do that face again? The face I made. Oh, the, you the, yeah. So Sim was like, 
He's literally covering his eyes, and then little by little, he's opening and he's looking like this yeah. to make sure nothing scary is coming. I was like, dude, why? Okay, it was so your when, idea to watch this. When I why are you what you? It was your idea to watch okay. the horror movies. But when you used to watch it, you used to freak out and close your eyes. I like I like cheesy horror movies. Okay, now was nowadays they made the horror movies to go. They're very they're, disturbing. They're, they're taking it to another level, man. Yeah. They get you attached to these characters. All right, so now like I'm I'm gaining or getting a, a, a sense of attachment. And I feel for the, I have a high level of empathy for these characters who are about to die and they're getting their head chopped off in <coughs> really horrible manners. And no, but it, it digs to a really yeah. one thing I realized about today's horror movies they they dig deep in this weird place in your mind that shouldn't be tapped into. Yeah, I mean, I never actually, you know, today I, I mean, having kept up with so many of them, I find I find them getting drier and drier. They, I, it got to a certain point where they got exciting and then it plateaued. A lot of the the new ones that are coming out, they're actually based on. Very old ideas. Mm. They're just doing remakes. I think the last horror movie I saw was actually Conjuring. That was in your basement. Conjuring, Conjuring, Con- Conjuring stood one. Conjuring stood out. I think out of yeah. most of the recent uh, horror movies, Conjuring was one of them. That Conjuring? was like three years ago. Did you, go, did you guys watch It Follows? Oh, great, follows. great, beautiful movies. It, mm. It's about. Um, there was one scene that was really scary. Yeah. yeah. Everything else was I kind of. I, I stopped watching it so, like three okay. fourths of the way through. Okay. But. Now, it, it's, it sounds horrible when I say it. It's. Not like raunchy, <clears throat> sex-filled movie. It's it's the the monster follows the person who you had sexual relationship. Oh no no, it follows. Yeah, I have seen. That. Yeah, yeah. I, have, I have seen that. And it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a dreadful suspense, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, the way did you get the correlation they were making in the movie? I don't want to ruin it for the listeners who haven't. All right, no, I get it. spoiler but, alert. But, but it, it's it's basically a uh, a symbolism of death. Yeah, how yeah. death just follows you everywhere and you can try to run away from it as as much as you want but uh it will always come after you and it it spans generations so when you look at the different scenes in the movie mm-hmm. you'll see yeah. different types of technology and you'll be like wait why is this person on a smartphone and they have like a big tube tv right like one of those old <clears throat> 70s style <clears throat> tvs they have all these type of hidden What's it called? An allegories, allegories, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, throughout the movie, so that you kind of get that this movie's not really about a monster, but it's about death, and death's just always coming after you. So yeah, that that death is like the metaphor, right? That's that underpins the movie. That's interesting. Some people had more a more superficial interpretation. They're like, it's like an STD. Well, you know how Sim is, man. Yeah. Super analytical. That's why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> Otherwise, is that true? Otherwise, <laughs> these two clowns. I don't watch these movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> no my, my, my right chef now. is watching, so he can't comment. Where is the chef? Oh, somewhere in Ohio, I bet. <laughs> in Ohio, I bet. Watching is he actually watching? No, the only uh, don't need YouTube. They have a dream. Dream. they'll probably see this in a dream tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, actually, like <clears throat> the movies I watch are like you know we talked about those before. Like I think Friday Night Lights was. I was watching that last weekend again. That's a good one. That's a classic. You know, because yeah. I found it on Netflix. I found I thought that was the best sports movie ever made, and my friends made fun of me that, forever that is a for classic. that. Yeah. Never no, even it's heard a of classic. it. It's a classic. Friday, Friday Night Lights is great. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. But you know what? The best scene in uh, in any of the sports movie in terms of uh, a coach giving some advice was Al Pacino in Any Given Sunday. Any Given Sunday. Yeah. The inches. Yeah, yeah. Inches seen, of success. Oh my people god! People use it in a lot of motivational yeah. motivational clips. People have that. I pro- I've probably seen the clip, but I haven't seen the movie. I wonder if we could put it up, pull it up on YouTube. It's fantastic. <clears throat> I get pulled down off of. So what Chef Amr was mentioning um, 
I was thinking about that, how it's not necessarily being two-faced, you just have a different relationship. So I, I, I think that that is distinct from what I was talking about, because what I was talking about isn't that principle. What I think what you mentioned, it, it relates to having certain boundaries and certain relationships. Yeah. Right? That That's intentional. And, and things just don't merely interest your wife that you're going to talk about with your buddies. Exactly. Right? They, they, so there's, there's an order to that. Yeah. Versus what I'm talking about with the youth now is... It's almost as if they haven't actually developed a, sen- a congru- sense of congruence. Mm. You know, this is these are my values. I might express these values to different people at a, at a, at a level that is appropriate for that person, but it's still that value, or it's still under it, it's it's still rooted in who I am. What what they're struggling with is I don't even know who I truly am. I'm a carbon copy of society, consumer patterns being driven by corporations. I'm not even thinking really critically to choose to be this intentionally, I'm therefore filled with contradictions. Because if you're not thinking, you're not detecting your own contradictions. Yeah. You're just playing everything out. You're playing everything out. A little bit of it is an instinct to protect yourself. A little bit little bit of it is just observation. What are my friends doing? What what what's able to get my 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 desires satisfied really quickly? What what keeps me out of media trouble? That's it. Yeah. And a lot of the, the a lot of the youth are trapped um, at at a level of low self truth. Low self awareness. Low self truth is a word I learned from one of my own mentors, Sidney Mustafa. Yeah. He's an amazing, amazing man, mashallah. Um, I don't know if you guys know him. I mention him quite often in our chats. Yeah. But he uses that term low self truth people and high self truth people. High self truth meaning people who are self aware. They know who they are. So, and does he mean they're also more critical of themselves and <coughs> trying to analyze their, their, their stuff their, their, how they're or they don't lie to themselves they don't lie to themselves mm-hmm. they're not yeah. going necessarily, to necessarily be oppressive to themselves yeah. but they'll be honest they'll be accountable they'll, they'll, they, they also happen to be uh, more genuine and warm to mm-hmm. themselves too you know? mm-hmm. they, they won't go overboard and beating them, themselves up oh. but at the same time they won't uh, neglect their mistakes they'll take action they'll, they'll do what they have to do fix their problems that's kind of half of being I'm, I'm super critical of myself yeah to the point that i want to tear everything down like i want to tear the memluk poster board <laughs> down i'm like what the no, hell is this that, all for that. and yeah maybe we should keep the flag there we'll yeah like, like we'll <laughs> that's let's a barrier say, it's a barrier we, we don't talk about our sins but let's just say you know sim has his own demons that he works through yeah and <clears throat> The problem is, is that these demons sometimes, when you face your truth and you talk about, you know, being in the Dawah scene and, you know, talking to some of the major ulama in the world and all these fantastic personalities that you just feel like, you know, are, are you're just under their shadow, right? And then... You do feel that way. Yeah, yeah. And then and all of a sudden you realize, like, man, I'm a hypocrite. I don't deserve to be in, on this podcast. Hey, you, you, Mine's you, smiling. Mine's like, yeah, you don't. Get the hell out of here. No, you take up my airtime. Actually, this is where I think you and I disagree. Because I don't think this is... To me, I, maybe because that's why I, take, I don't take myself too seriously on this show. I don't think of it as da'wah. I just think about we're just having a conversation about issues with Muslims. It's not about da'wah, but any type of dis- dissemination of knowledge, you're, 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 trans- <clears throat> you're transferring Islamic knowledge to an audience, and that's da'wah right there. It, it may not be knowledge. I it mean, may just be making them think differently, giving them a different paradigm. I mean, what okay, we, raising so, awareness. What we do is conversation. You right? raise awareness, brother? Yeah, but here, here's brother. I, I, maybe maybe the, I, the idea is that even if it is dawah, don't think of it as dawah. That way, you're not putting pressure on yourself. Well, you know, I should just make this a big money-making enterprise 
and then yeah, lose, dude, lose, like, this lose, guy was lose all the hasanat for, for this <laughs> effort. Know, you know, I just learned what Ock means today. Mm. I was like, what the hell? Well, so, so Fahim was like, see, wait, y'all on episode 119 and y'all ain't getting paid? I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> see, Fahim, we, we had a big discussion about this. We had like a round table where all the heads of the five families sat down and we, I know, we, we, I got, we tried I to figure out. Like, I got some good footage on this. Yeah, we, we tried to figure out like, hey, should we make money off the Mad Men Lukes? And then, you know, I, I asked the guys, I'm like, find me one person, one person was able to do business with their friends and walked away <clears throat> profitable and uh, maintained their friendship afterwards, you know? Every single person I know that made, that took their friend into a business partnership, that, that whole thing went sideways real fast. Everything went to hell. I mean, I was about to swear. Thank God. No, what, what, what are your thoughts? Because I know you have some thoughts on this, right? Mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on My our- thoughts are... I can I can empathize with where you're coming from because you care about your your relationships. Absolutely. But I think that if two people, like I mentioned, are high self truth, right? They know where they stand. It doesn't have to end up that way. You see what I mean? Not, I mean, I <clears throat> I feel you. But here's what I say: like my feeling is like Sheikh Hamer, Mahi. I'm just taking you guys as an example. If you guys start up your websites, right? Start yeah. up any kind of business. Yeah. Sheikh Hamer is selling water bottles. Mahin's selling ether like, bottles. Like, ether bottles, right? Okay. You guys start off the episode. Organic, authentic. You guys start off the episode trying to pitch your bottles and, and your water bottles and, or whatever and talk about your product that you're selling. And that is a natural way of your product that you're selling on a, another website. You're kind of, uh, you know, doing marketing through the podcast as it, it's gaining a lot of, uh, you know, listeners and a lot of traffic. following. Yeah. You know, a lot of the major podcasters do something similar. I, I know. For sure. We know, like, guys like Rogan, they have their, yeah, yeah. their thing. Um, all those brain supplements. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So everyone t- has this kind of thing mm-hmm. going. And I was telling the guys, like, if you, well, I don't think I told them, but if you, I would suggest even instead of putting money towards this mm-hmm. podcast, put it towards, like, a website or something or something that you can have some kind of automation behind. And advertise it on the website or advertise it through the podcast and boom you have something making money you have we can you know pause and do a quick 15 second shout out to your your website as a sponsor or whatever you know i mean these are these are ways to maintain um neutrality of the show so that you know the the show is not about uh making money but it's it's a it's a podcast for uh the people right it's not a capitalist empire okay yeah so you know one thing is that there's a few times where i'm really in a state of flow meaning that time just goes by so fast right yeah when i'm when i'm in a podcast like you're you're, you're very much in the present i'm not, not only in the present but time i don't i can't keep track of time you know it's just when you love when you do something it's just uh it's okay. it's an outlet for me yeah. yeah it's a nice way to make myself and this is where the Dawa thing comes in <clears throat> is that it's a very easy way to get your ideas, or at least maybe your ideas are wrong, but it's a good way for you to shed light on what you believe to people. And for me, that's uh, much more valuable than money. And I know all of us, we value money not from a super materialistic way, but everybody needs money, right? Absolutely. But I, but this is like my hobby. You know, I don't really do too many other things. This is my hobby. So if money were to come in the picture, I would understand it. If it didn't, I'm totally fine with it too. Cool. You know, um, but I do think of this like my intention when I get on this. Inshallah, may Allah accept all my intentions. Yeah, like, I, this is this is my 
my two cents that I can give to Dawa in this world. Like okay. I have, we have a platform. This is that's a favor from Allah. It's nothing about us. Mm-hmm. Even though Sim puts in a lot of work, Mahin puts in a lot of work. I don't do anything. I just show up. But Allah Subhanahu wa Taala put us in this situation, and we literally have people on the other side of the world that can hear us. No, Why wouldn't I think of this as Dawa? You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I'm not saying this is not going to think. That's totally cool. I'm glad you're so yeah, transparent. Mine. That's the thing I love about you, bro. You're transparent. You don't care what people think. That's awesome. We were talking uh, about in the car. Yeah, he don't if care. He that oh, that's that's why he's on the Mad Mamluks. Yes. He brings a madness to another level. And I was saying too, there's value in that. Yeah. There's oh, a lot of value. I, yeah, yeah. What, what, wait. Sometimes I wish I could be like that. Well, what Fahim and I were saying was we were talking, we were going to, we were going to get food, right? And uh, he's telling me about how he's told his family about coming on the show. And, um, I was like, the thing is, is that for me, I don't personally like change what I am because the recording is on. That's cool. So I'll just because I don't think, like, I, I don't think it through. It might be really dumb. I don't think it through. Like, some people, I think, when they think of a recording that's going to be on the internet forever, oh crap, I don't know who's going to watch this. Maybe some HR person at my company I want to work at, or my daughter's going to hear this in 20 years. And like cringe, <laughs> and she's gonna end up being some SJW leftist, you know. Then she fem- definitely needs yeah. to hear this, you know. Whatever, <laughs> and you're, but they're going through this stuff. What's what? It's on the internet forever. Yeah. I got to be careful of what I say, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. And me, like, I guess I understand it, but I just don't either care enough or it's just too too much to worry about. That's, that's what awesome. I, that, that's what I mean when I say there are people who are low self truth and high self truth. Yeah. That's high self truth. What does yeah. that even mean? I still don't understand what that means. You're congruent. You're a congruent person. You have one face. Although I'll, I'll say this with Sim. So like I think like it was interesting you brought up the whole point about how early in your marriage um you said yeah, I'm gonna be the same person across the board, right? Yeah. I I would say but I would say the way I navigate because everyone's like my wife's a certain personality, mm-hmm. right? I mean I think if I was completely congruent with her, the way I am with my boys, uh, she probably would have dumped me like eight years ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't yeah. know for sure. Actually. Yeah. I mean, look. You should try that out today. <laughs> I, I'm not built that way. I mean, I know like, Sheikh Hamrat, you have your own decorum <clears throat> with your wife and you know, you're, you're a different way with your friends. And it's not like I'm totally serious at all the time. We're goofballs. We are. We are goofballs. Yeah. But like, I, the way I'm built, I have to be genuine. And I, there's no other way about it. I, when I'm trying to be different faces to different people, um, there's like a in, there's like a conflict inside that. Yeah. You know, there's yeah, like yeah. two beings that are fighting for control. That's it. That's it. Right there. Mm. When you're and I believe that if your fifth is intact, right, you don't you're not going to be comfortable right. when you know you're lying through your teeth. You're yeah, not going to be comfortable. So I, I mean, I I see exactly what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but I think um, that everybody. Needs a little bit of what you're saying, but I think everybody needs to relax a little bit. Like, what do I mean by that, right? Mm-hmm. And I know this may not be completely related, but the first thing that comes to mind is where, you know, the Sahabi, he comes to Rasulullah and he Allah says Allah. that uh, uh, who was that? It may have been Hudayfa. I forget who the Sahabi was. Abdullah bin Masood. No, he says Ya Rasulullah, when we're with you, he comes to the Rasulullah and says, whenever we're with you. All we think about is Allah and His Rasul. And I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. when we go back with our families, we forget about, right. you know? So that means that they did have a certain decorum with Rasul, but when they went back to their families, they, <clears throat> did that mean that they had a different relationship? Yeah, it means they had a different relationship. But that's because the presence of certain people, like I was talking to my, student, my students today, and we're talking about the respect of Ramadan. When Ramadan comes about, it's actually better to not do certain things that you do that may be haram, and it doesn't mean you're a hypocrite just because you stop it for one month, right? 
Because that's what youth say to each other. When one of their friends is like, you know, I'm not going to do this during Ramadan. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to smoke weed during Ramadan. Yeah. This. And what do their friends say? That echo chamber usually says what? Oh, you're such a hypocrite because you're going to go right back to it after Ramadan. Yeah. So what I what I said to them is that just think about it on a very simple level. Would you do the same thing and your same language that you have with your friends? Would you do that to your parents? Would you do the same thing in front of your parents? And even the conversation that you may just have with your brothers, or you're not, nothing haram is going on. You just have a different way of posturing, different way of sitting with your legs up in the air, you know, on a cushion or whatever. You wouldn't be the same way in front of your parents, right? Um, in front of your parents, you just be a little more respectful and stuff, even though your parents know you a lot better than anybody else. Um, and so for me, I understand. I think everybody needs a little bit of what you're saying, that you have to be very genuine with yourself. But I think human beings, by default, we see people that have a certain aura, and by natural default, we're just a certain way in posturing in front of them. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like when Shirazi shows up, and yeah. Sim puts on his act. <laughs> it's not really an act. It's, uh, that's, that's just me uh, giving him a hard time. <laughs> I, I see what you're saying, Shirazi. I, I agree with it, but you know, if we, if we think about the, the point you're making, that there are certain people that have a certain aura around this. Well, I think that those people have that aura because they are high self-truth, because they themselves are authentic. I agree with you. You see what I'm saying? That's very true, actually. You That's know? deep, brother. We may not be able to reach their level. We can't reach Rasulullah so 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 yeah. but we know that he was fully authentic. Yeah. yeah. He, was, he, was, he had perfected it. He was yeah. perfected, he is perfected, and he is perfect. And so it's like, you know, to the point you made about how just because you're trying to stop something for a time period doesn't mean you're a hypocrite. And I say, I would say that that makes perfect sense because when we see a recovering addict, the guy's trying to go sober for a week, we're, we wouldn't say you're being a hypocrite. We're saying, good job. Yeah. Right? We would say, you should try. Yeah. Take that step. Yes. So I think that there's a big difference between uh, willful willful hypocrisy and then humbly accepting that you simply are, are not consistent. Like one of the one of the reasons that we believe the Quran is from Allah is because it doesn't have contradictions. Yeah. And, and, and so we know that contradictions, if there's a contradiction, it indicates that it's human, right? So we can't escape the fact that we are inconsistent. And, and so that's why Allah's rahmah is so important. But what we agreed, can do sir. is... Agreed, Yeah, absolutely. But what we can do is we can we can uh, reduce the degree of those contradictions. Mm. You know? We can reduce the, the degree of those inconsistencies. Especially when, when we're in a situation today where it's like even non-Muslims who don't even have the same set of premises on, on how relationships should start and how they should how, how they should uh, be maintained, what kind of boundaries they should include. They don't they don't talk about halal and haram like we do. But even they would think that some of the behavior of, of these of these youth on these apps is simply unhealthy. Like some of these girls and guys are trying to use these apps to rebound. And even non-Muslim success coaches, you know, in, in, in that whole industry of self-realization would be like, are you sure you should be doing that? Are you sure you shouldn't just take time off to figure yourself out? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like when non-Muslims with a whole different set of um, premises about what, what a good life is, if they can themselves detect that what you as a Muslim are doing is wrong, then you know that you've really gone astray. Something's up. You know what I mean? Something's, Something's up. up. You, you, you've, you've taken, you've taken uh, too many steps in the wrong direction. Mm. I, I want to segue and focus 180, but there's actually something <clears throat> that I want to tie in to yeah, it sure. that I wasn't expecting to ask you, but... Uh, again, my uh, here it comes. Just get ready. being around you for the last six just, hours just get ready. Oh, <laughs> has prompted this uh, angle, which is not probably what Sim and Sheikh Amr. If any and, kids yeah, are watching, please mute the. <laughs> mute. Um, so Fahim, um, 
you know, when I'm like, as we're driving around, we're talking and stuff, every time the Prophet Sallallahu name is met, <coughs> he's very emphatically always saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and we prayed, uh, and we prayed, uh, Salah at, uh, Islamic Center of Chicago, or Peterson, on Lincoln, sorry. Yeah. And he was doing Salawat after, like, pretty, like, kind of loud. You know, there's no one else there, just me and you. Right? And, like, like, I, I only do that in a molid, usually, or something, right? Yeah, but yeah. you were, like, kind of in, you, I, I just noticed, like, you, multiple times throughout today, you, you were doing it, just, like, reciting Salawat out loud. Um, so certainly there's some kind of connection there. Right. Um, that's not just. I mean, uh, unless you were just doing the show off to me, which I assume is not the case. He, he's th- he thinks he's got the aura. Yeah, <laughs> become a whole different person. Right? <laughs> but like, there's obviously. I assume that you have some genuine connection. See, Muslims say La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Right. But at the end of the day, let's just keep it 100. Most Muslims don't really understand the Prophet Sallallahu Absolutely. But I feel like you, just something about you, you're like, you've got some connection there. And I want to know what it is, how you developed it, and like, how are you using that in Focus 180? Because he is the ultimate example of a man of a human being. Right? You know, three or four months ago, maybe a little longer, I actually asked my mentor, Sayyidina Mustafa Azam. Um, Any relation to Abdullah? <laughs> don't worry about it. Yeah, don't don't worry. Worry. He died before he was born. <laughs> continue, please. <laughs> I, Alhamdulillah, Plus I don't understand the reference. So yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll continue. It's good that you didn't. Alhamdulillah. So I asked him this, uh, this question because I, at that time, felt um, as if my connection to the Prophet was weakened. And I felt that I was you know, disconnected. I was going through a lot of stress in my my practice, uh, with my clients, in my personal life, my relationships, my professional life, my own health. Uh, my chest inflammation had, had returned after a long time. It was I had I had that for uh, four to five years, chronically, and every day I'd be coughing like fifty times. If I was on one side of the masjid or or campus, and you could hear me cough. People on the other side who knew me would be like, that, the fucking, we know where Fahim is now. Like, they're trying to figure out where I am. Ooh, and I, wow. They can hear coughing. But okay, we found him. Is that like whooping cough? Sorry? Is, it, is this whooping cough? What is this? It was like a very deep, uh, hoarse cough. Usually dry, <clears throat> but it was very painful. I think he's, he's prying into your personal business asking what you're doing. No, I just want to know what Oh, I see. I mean, if it's if it's personal, don't you don't have no, to share. No, you just made it really wondering. awkward for him. But go no, ahead. Why, you can answer why, why, if you yeah, want. sure, sure. I, I can, I can uh, come back to that. Inshallah. Yeah. So, he doesn't know how much how crazy we are. I'm just go ahead. Don't I'm worry. in the group chat. I see some of this stuff. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I see it. But uh, um, so I asked him this question, and he he he, you know, gave me three points, three very simple points that he wanted me to focus on, and I can't remember all of the points, but to the best of my memory, I think the very first one, the very first one was Salawat. Increasing in salawat and, and 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 making it a habit. He also mentioned uh, for me to connect myself and be in the presence of people who do have love for for the Prophet Be around people who have that love to develop it. Proximity. You know, we're 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 distant from Rasulullah both in time and prox- physical proximity. So he said, close that gap by being around people who have a closeness to them. And I kept 
at this moment, remember the third point. I'd have to pull up our conversation. But it was connected to these three. Actually, the, the previous two. And so... <clears throat> was it learning about him? Sorry? What about learning the Sira? Yeah, learning. Learning. It was tied into that. Okay. Learning the Sira was tied into that. Um, but, you know, the more I reflect on who I am, the more I, re- I, I try to reflect on um, how consistent am I being as a man myself, the more I'm, I'm finding that my relationship with him, Rasulullah is improving. Because, you know, it's like, if you're not, if your relationship with yourself, the relationship with the self, if that's damaged, then the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the relationship with Rasulullah will be damaged. That's what I find. So, I mean, that's beautiful. how are you making that connection? <clears throat> A lot of people say, like, you know, I they identify with different aspects of, of the sirah, like, you know, uh, people who are being bullied at school, for example, or they're, they're alone, they don't have friends. They identify with the Prophet's early uh, life when he yeah. did, when he, he was growing up as an orphan and he didn't have anyone to, to be there and, Absolutely. and give him that, that kind of support, at least uh, socially, right? So, well, on what level are you identifying with him? What I'm trying to do, and what I think a Muslim should try to do, is focus on truth. Truth. That's something we can we all internally, actually, internally in my thoughts, in what in what in, in what I put my energy towards. So I'll give you examples of this in, 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 in the moments to come, uh, in my speech, in my states of being. Mm. I'm trying to connect to the truth. You yeah. Know? I, I for example, we believe Islam is true. Right. So if Islam is true, then the, the then what Islam encapsulates is also true. Salah, doing the dawah, the beliefs that come with Islam, the creed. Well, how, how you see the universe? What is the universe? Is it is it just a set of particles that exist eternally, or do we see the universe as a contingent structure, a creation? Allah is the only necessary being. The universe is just contingent. It's, it's a creation of Allah. That all depends on what you believe is true. If you don't even think about this stuff, if in your daily life you're just living your life no differently than people who grew up in the secular liberal capitalist society. But then you pray five times a day, you're not going to be able to connect with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Because you're not really thinking about the truth. You're thinking about some rituals that you've taken from Islam, and you're mixing it in with a lifestyle that you've been conditioned to lead in an entirely non-Muslim, un-Islamic frame of, of being. Everything from your health decisions, everything from your your, your social decisions, your, your consumer behavior, all of that is being shaped by fundamentally on Islamic ideologies. And there might be overlap, right? For example, medicine is a universally accessible thing. You could be a Chinese person living in China who is not Muslim. You could be an Indian Hindu. You could be a a uh, Canadian random white dude who likes hockey and does, has studied medicine. And you'll all reach certain truths about medicine, but not necessarily about all the other ex- existential questions. And so it's like, if you're not concerned about these overarching truths in your daily life and your daily pursuits, who you want to be as a man, what kind of relationships you want to form, if those questions aren't in some way being tied in to your pursuit of truth, then you're you're not going to connect to the Prophet because Rasulullah was the gateway, is the gateway to truth, to haq, to Allah. So it's like, if you don't get that, if you don't if you don't really think about that, if it doesn't trouble you, when you find yourself not caring about the truth, if that doesn't trouble you, then I don't think you can connect. So here's my 
my own journey, at least with the truth, with the phrase, the truth. And I know it's, uh, it sounds corny, and a lot of people use the, the truth um, in that word to kind of abuse that word. And the, <coughs> a lot of liars say yeah. the truth and blah, blah, blah. By the so, way, not, sorry to interrupt, but I'll start looking at you more when I talk. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going like this a lot. Oh. I got to go like this. Hey, that's fine, too. doesn't hurt me. Very good looking man right there. <laughs> yeah, my golly, man. No, uh, but <laughs> Sorry, in terms of um, forming the building blocks of human consciousness. Yes. You know, the way you understood the world around you in its entirety, in its the, the correct reality, that you didn't, you know, I think for the most part, most of us have the same kind of information coming in as we're growing up. In our childhood and adolescent years, we're getting the same kind of information in. I mean, childhood drama, mommy, mm-hmm. daddy disciplining you, yep. and it's all the same, but we're all processing that information differently. And we're putting our own <clears throat> tail on it, our own spin on it. And what I'm trying to do is go back into the deepest part of my psyche and re understanding. Or rethinking or reevaluating how I processed all that information and what kind of conclusions did I make off of that, those experiences? You know, were my initial conclusions about various events in my life truthful or not? Absolutely. Or were they a little crap? Was I making myself a victim when I really wasn't? These are the things I feel is really missing in a lot of young Muslims, or, or in everyone. Human beings. In human beings. Up. I mean, I, I just said young Muslims because I'm talking to my daughters a lot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And making sure that... Because That's what's relevant to you. They're teenagers, and, and I want to make sure that this part of their life, they're really understanding the, the events that happen in their life the correct way. They're putting the correct lens on it. They're not getting caught up in this victim mentality and, and all these other... Uh, things that are happening in social media, you know, social justice warriors, and um, you know, uh, the 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 whole frame of thought from the leftist perspective or the whole postmodernist per- perspective, where you know that everyone is in a state of power. You know, Fahim is a, is a powerful person. Sim isn't, so Fahim is an oppressor, and Sim is a victim. No matter what Fahim does, you have more rings on your finger, man. You're more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so, I got one, two, three. He's at one, just on one hand, he's got five. Well, what do you think about that? Have you thought about <clears throat> looking at truth from that kind of a perspective Absolutely. where you are reevaluating everything that you you experienced in your life and, and reevaluating whether you, the conclusions <clears throat> you've made and that, you know, that ident- that defined Fahim Ayman Farouk today, are they based on truth or is it a bag of crap? That's a very good question. You know, one of the services I offer through Focus 180 is called 180 Principles. So Focus 180, and I'll, t- I'll, I'll tie in the answer to your question through uh, an introduction to Focus 180 and its services. Because one of the services in particular addresses your question, but Focus 180 as a whole was built by me, alhamdulillah, um, over five, six years right. of self-discovery and, and grappling with society and social changes. Um, to address the question of how do you optimize 
the human being living in a modern post-industrial capitalist society you know you're not living in, in a village in bangladesh you're not living in the mountains of afghanistan you're living here in north america you have very different problems you've been very fundamentally disconnected from nature you've been fundamentally disconnected from the boundaries and limits of nature and oftentimes we find that when that happens you become disconnected from reality in some ways you start to get delusional the difference between a teenager who drives his car to respect the speed limits and to drive responsibly and a teenager who likes to race with his or her friends is that one has a healthy sense of limit and the other has no sense of limit and we find in, in this phenomenon we find that people can either be connected to nature to their fitra which involves loads of limits which involves loads of natural laws you have to be mindful of it or they can be extremely disconnected so they either be connected or disconnected when we're asking questions about how do how do you optimize yourself as a human being what i'm really getting at is how do you become a functional person function a function has an output a function leads to an output anyone who studies math computer science engineering they know this physics right functions have outputs so when i say functional what i mean is are you yourself performing correctly as as you were intended to perform based on how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you when we look at the human being and we look at the world around us we look at this device right here we see that everything has a confining boundary the shape of this cup determines its use the shape of my hand my my, my anatomy and physiology determines what I do with this hand us being guys having testosterone that's a confining boundary that determines our function as men we can procreate a certain way women having a uterus having a vagina having estrogen having eggs that those are confining boundaries and that those determine the function of, of femininity in practice right we can't escape this so when we want to be functional human beings part of that means being in touch with reality the more delusional you are the more dysfunctional you are the, the less in touch with reality you are you're not grounded Focus 180 was meant to solve that problem on a physical level. People today in the modern context have so many physical problems because they're no longer in touch with nature. They have all these unnatural dysfunctions that have developed that didn't exist just 300 years ago. The amount of sugar today, for example, that we eat on a daily basis. In, in a week, a kid has, has had more sugar today in America, in the United States, than an adult would have had in 20 years, 400 years ago. No. You see what I mean? No. Like, it, that's that's shocking. Not necessarily a week, but let's say a month. That's not normal, right? So, when you were asking questions about, um, do, did I think about my, my roots in, in childhood and the conditioning I went through and whether or not my interpretation of that conditioning was really sound or was it just nonsense? You know, I just constructed a view of myself that really has no basis. If you, were, if you were to really look at my life and see what I went through, there's no real relationship between who I think I am and what I've actually gone through. Well, in Focus 180, that's where the uh, sort of spiritual personality and, and relational solutions come in. The physical stuff is dealing with the physical dysfunction in a, in a person, posture issues, nutrition issues, you're eating 
garbage. Your your sleep cycle is horrible. You have you have very low testosterone levels because you're eating crap. You're not exercising. Uh, you have all this back pain. You have headaches. But then the 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 emotional social dysfunctions are you're you're a liar. You're you're dysfunctional in, in how you form relationships with people because you have low self esteem. Uh, you have you make excuses you make for excuses. stuff. I mean, just me trying to figure out why I can't go working out <clears> after pleasure. <throat> oh, I'm tired. Blah, 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 all these excuses. You know, that's that's no. part of it. And, and then you just sit down on your ride after you take your nap, and you know you get ready to go to work. You drive to work, and you think about why you didn't go to work out, even though you promised yourself you would you'd go to uh, go work out right after pleasure. That's it. Regret but, sucks, man. Regret. But what the you, problem with making excuses? You have to regret it later. You admit to yourself you're full of crap. Like, hey, you're a liar. You didn't really want to go wake up and go to pleasure. Yeah, you didn't want to go to work out after pleasure. If you did, you would have gotten sleep much earlier. That's it. You would have gotten. You would have. You would have slept at nine thirty. You know, not eleven or twelve, and then expect to to be full of energy. Mm-hmm. You know, so these are are things that are really missing from, I think, a lot of coaching and a lot of, you know, uh, training programs of any kind. I feel like it's not really hitting the deep um, psychological level of any patient. And even the whole <clears throat> therapy business, I, I'm really feeling like... Oh, for sure, it's, it's just... Most therapists themselves. It's they become a money-making scheme uh, in a lot of respect. And yeah. I, I hope I, you know talk to some of the therapists that I do respect, you know, from mm-hmm. the Khalil Center in, in, in Chicago. They, those guys are fantastic. And, They're fantastic. And, and I want to talk about some of the, 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 the discourse of truth with the, with the patient and how, you know, when do we actually start solving some of these problems instead of, you know... Lower, lower the level of BS and, and increase the level of self-awareness. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I like, you know, when you hear about um, programs like Alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous. I was just going to mention that. 12 steps. The first thing is admitting the truth that you are an addict, right? That's the first step. Admitting that you are full of crap and stop denying that, oh, you know, I can quit any time and blah, blah, blah. These, and if you apply that model to many other things in your life, whatever it may be, whatever problems you're experiencing, whether you... You know, you don't do well in school or, or you know, you, you lack of discipline and whatever. You apply <clears> these steps, <throat> you know, coming to terms with the truth that you're full of crap and you have a problem and you do figure out a plan to unravel this problem. And, you know, I'm not sure. I, I think uh, I think for most things, it can those steps can be applied to. That's right, and there's actually a really cool book written by Russell Brand, and it's called Recovery, Freedom from Our Addictions. And what he does is he, he basically modifies the 12 steps of the Alcoholics Anonymous program, and he applies it to any other pattern that's destructive, that's dysfunctional, that you have in your life, and how you can also, likewise, overcome those patterns. And through Focus 180, the... Dysfunctions that I mentioned that are social, personality-based, spiritual, those ones have just as much to do with human suffering as the physical ones. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think they're related. I think that you, you can find that one can worsen the other. You know, you have yeah. one that can lead to the other, or if you have the other, 
that can lead to 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 uh, uh, a complementary set of of physical problems. Right. Let's say let's say let's say you have personality issues. Those personality issues often have comorbid physical symptoms. Let me give you an example. Hmm. You have an anxiety disorder. Well, there oftentimes there are physical symptoms that manifest when you have an anxiety disorder: sweating, heart palpations, time is going faster. You can't focus. Your breathing is really shallow. These are all physical things. You see what I mean? They call, and and this this will actually worsen your stress response, and and your stress the levels of your stress hormone in your body cortisol. So it's like there's a relationship, a very dynamic relationship between the two. And so it's like if you don't take care of one, another uh, a problem that's complementary on the uh, on a, in a different dimension can worsen. Or if you do take care of one, that might lessen. The manifestation of that of, of a complementary problem in a, in a different dimension. You deal with your personality issues. You might find that your physical issues are lessening at least. They may not go away, but they might lessen. You deal with your physical issues. You might see that some of your personality issues, your emotional issues, are lessening, or you're at least preventing them from getting worse and worse and worse. And so it's like the Focus 180. I have a lot of different programs that try to address every uh, every aspect of each of these dimensions. And when you say uh, Focus 180, you don't um, you don't just put out blogs. You actually have clients and you work clients. with them, right? Yeah. So let me. I don't know if um, you're able to do this, but let's say somebody says to you, "You know what? I know how much I should be losing weight. I know how important it is to me. I know the <clears> benefits <throat> of it. I can't stand being overweight, but I just love food too much." Mm-hmm. So, like, what what is your protocol with them? Like, what do you do? So I've actually had those situations many times. One guy, he came to me, this was uh, three years ago. He was a convert brother, cool guy. He was a white convert from uh, um, a conservative white family, a bit more on the rural end. And he uh, he told me, you know what, Fahim, I want to get healthy. I want to get married. He was really, really obsessed with marriage. And so there were, I could t- Did already tell. you talk him t- out of it? Sorry? Did you talk him out of it? <laughs> <laughs> At that time, yes. But right now, he he sent me his biodata. I got him. You know, biodata. biodata. I, I didn't know you used that data. word. Literally. Did you use that word on Focus One Eighty Two? Biodata. No. Okay, just asking. <laughs> I should start make. I should start getting my clients, prospective clients, to make a biodata oh. uh, to apply yeah. Focus One Eighty Two. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. So this guy, uh, his brother, he had a minor eating disorder. I would say I, I classified it as minor simply because he was able to exert enough control for enough time that I didn't think that it would ruin his life, that it was, it was, it was uh, extreme, but still it was, it was, it was enough of a problem to be causing him health issues, to be causing him to lose control, um, to, to a degree where he wasn't happy and, and to a degree where he wouldn't be able to form good relationships. He wouldn't be able to get to his goals. Mm-hmm. So what I said to him was, look, let's sit down. Let's first, I try to identify the problem. Step one, identify the problem. We sat down, and he said to me, you know what, I don't know why I can't stop eating. And I said to him, well, let's try to find a pattern here. When is it that you are most vulnerable to binge eating? He said, well, anytime I see a girl, a sister, and I say salam to them, and they just kind of look at me like, walaikum salam and I feel like a loser because I didn't, I didn't say anything else, or I didn't, I didn't feel confident, I didn't feel in my zone. And I said, bingo. So you rush to binge eating right then and there as a compensation mechanism for your low self-esteem. 
if you're, you're feeling as if you have uh, a lack of confidence, for feeling like you were incompetent in that situation. Bingo, right there. So, if we can... It's, ad- a, it's used as a drug. It's to used make as you a feel drug. better. In, yeah, yeah, temporarily. Gives you a high. Gives you a way to escape. It gives you the type of pleasure based on your... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I'm not saying that for every single person with that problem, that that's the reason, but it, 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 it could be a very similar reason, that it's an escape route. It represents a lack of restriction in a person's life. Hmm. A lack of restriction manifests in, in different people's lives in, in many different ways. In his case, a lack of restriction meant instead of confronting that problem, being restricted through self-discipline to confront that problem, he wants an exit strategy. And that exit strategy is McDonald's. And then he incurs $1,000 on his credit card. That's a third problem. You see what I mean? Well, he, because he binge-eated that much. Yes. Okay. Oh, so he goes to probably some high-end restaurants too. That's what he's doing. Feeds himself out. That's what he's doing. Make myself feel better. I get yeah. it. That's wow. called comfort food. Comfort food. Yeah. Mm. So now, now, not only does he have one problem, that the original one. Yeah. Now he has three. Right. Right. And now, now he needs a job, and, and then he's going to suffer in school. Right. And then he's going to, you know, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. So it's like stage one. Stage one is always identify the problem. Stage two, determine. Um, Band-aid solutions and long-term solutions. The band-aid solutions are simply, just like you know, a psychiatrist, you know, for, for really difficult cases, instead of giving therapy, they just prescribe drugs. Sometimes <clears throat> the drugs are needed just to manage a problem because it's at such a such a point yeah. that therapy it won't work just yet, not effectively. You need to sort of get the problem under control first. So the band-aid solution is kind of like that. Where it's like, look, this this isn't a solution you want to rely on forever, but it'll get you by for a little bit. And sometimes it's needed. Sometimes it's needed because of emergency situations. Emergency yeah. situations. Just a, it'll get you by long enough, just so you can get back on your foot, on your feet, and get to the long term solution, which would be self discipline. Yeah. Deter uh, a sense of self mastery, working on your social skills, building a, a healthy sense of self, an identity from which you operate. Yeah. So when you when you talk to these girls, for example, <clears throat> and you know we also talk about the Islamic way of approaching sisters for marriage, but that's besides the point because his issue was anytime he spoke to a girl, whether it would be through a halal external, like you know outwardly halal way, or even in a haram way, if the response was one of rejection or one you know where he didn't feel in the zone, you know he didn't feel like he had full acceptance, yeah. he would act as if. Everything he was and is crumbles. Mm. And I said, well, that means that your sense of self is fractured. Have you ever been dumped by him? By someone Man, you cared a lot about? I wish I would have gotten dumped at least a few times, and I wouldn't feel so bad for the number of times I dumped all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. It's, it's a tough... It's, for someone who's been through that, it can completely destroy your being to the fabric, especially when there's a, uh, <clears throat> you know, you start, you start doubting reality, oh, yeah. you know, and everything that you knew about yourself, mm-hmm. you will lose all confidence in who you are. Totally. And I, I was wondering, like, I, I how, had crippling social anxiety as a child yeah. and all the way into my early teens. And it was so bad. Yeah. That when I was in grade six, no, grade five, I remember this clearly. And I laugh at myself and I tell everyone this story, especially my clients, because they don't believe me. 
But when I was in grade five, I'm 10 years old, I'm walking. I'm like one of the only brown kids at school. This was way before the age of diversity is cool. Yeah, same way here. I, I think on a, on a level that most of us go through most, that. Most of us. Mo- the, most of us brown kids. I went yeah. to a school with all white kids. <clears> and um, just, you know, our, my mom would pack, you know, Indian food for lunch. Yeah, and Hema <laughs> sandwich, bro. Hema yes, sandwich, yes. bro. Oh, my God. Hema sandwich. Hema oh sandwich. sandwich and, well, well, like, really weird you, stuff. You open up that Tupperware and holy it's over, man. Everyone's people, laughing people at you. Are looking at you. My mom would make this. God bless her. She's so amazing, dude. Her pizza was amazing that she would make, but she would make a desi version of the pizza, yeah, right? Yeah. And she, she, like, it looked like they would call the kids would call it garbage pizza, oh, and no. it just like, oh, it's garbage pizza. Oh look, he brought his garbage pizza again. Oh and, no. And you just like wrap it up. You wrap it back up, and you know, tuck it away back into your lunch bag. You like. Forget it. I'm not even going to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm great. Uh, I'm in grade five. These three white chicks, girls. At the, I mean, I think they're in grade grade six. You know, white girls, a year older. Yeah. They're going through puberty a little faster than the boys. I'm I'm a brown kid, so I have a mustache already, right? We're, yeah, yeah. We have the brown that. stash. Remember that? The, yeah. the black stash. Sorry. Yeah, our parents were like really close. They should have made a shave back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they did the same thing. But you have mustache oh growing up. No, no, no. I, I didn't grow a stash in fifth grade. You crazy? I think yeah, I grew I stopped, one probably in ninth or tenth grade. No, for me, I had a seventh or eighth grade. I had one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I grew up, grew it in college when I tried to become religious. It's like it's like that little peach. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, the peach uh, yeah, it's gross. Like if I if I had a son, I would make him shave it immediately. <laughs> Even though we know that Ijma is shaving is haram. Anyways, go ahead, dude. So, man. Anyways, I'm, I'm just uh, nervous because I can see them staring at me. They're they're at that point. I think they were taller than me too. And I feel, I generally, I just feel this sense of, uh, I don't fit in. I don't know how to, my parents at home are, you know, they're raising me in a very conservative way. When your elders speak to you, shh, shut up. Opinions? No. So I see all my teachers in the same way. They're all wondering, why don't, why doesn't this kid answer questions? But it's because of that programming. And so, and if it rub, rubbed me the wrong way because now I see my peers in that way. They're, yeah. they're white kids too. So I'm like, oh, so we're all supposed to just be, you know, very quiet and hush, hush. I'm walking, these girls are like looking at me, and one of them's like, hey, you. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> she stared at me, and she called, she, she, she called me out. And I'm like, okay, my heart's racing. I'm, I'm nervous. I, I just keep walking. She calls me a second time, hey, you. And then I don't look back. I, try, I cut a corner, turn left to keep walking. And then very loudly, she's like, stop walking away. And I'm like, okay, it's definitely me she's talking about. I, I, I stop in my tracks, I turn around. And I slowly, sheepishly walk back, and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, why didn't you listen to me? I was calling you. And I'm like, I, I, I didn't hear. That's, that's what I say. <laughs> I, I didn't hear. <laughs> and her friend's like, you're right in front of us. How could you not hear? And I'm like, I don't I just didn't hear. And they're just like, well, do, do you know where so-and-so is? And I'm like, it was some guy in my class. And I'm like, no. And she's like, you could have just said that. So sorry. I just walk away. <laughs> so sorry. And I'm like, right now I'm thinking to myself, why? Why did that even happen? That yeah. I can't even relate to that. I don't, it's like, that's not even me. Like, no one would believe that that's me. I will, yeah, it's hard to believe. You know what I mean? Yeah, because this is like you, like, 15 years later. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, I, I can't imagine that that was me. But that, that just speaks to how much self-work I had to do mm-hmm. to evolve. Yeah. To yeah, learn social skills. To learn how to just be a, a functional human being who can speak and connect and convey my thoughts, yeah. my feelings. 
How much of your clientele is like you <clears> had that, <throat> that dichotomy where I remember I had a Friday buddy back in the day. Uh, he's a what buddy? Bengali cat. Oh, he's actually in Bangladesh now. He got he got he's like a he got business. He got some schools going. He moved back, but yeah. first day of school, man. Um, like his dad. Oh, yeah, he has a business in Bangladesh. He's got a him and him and one of my all my old Malaysian friends from back in the day started up like a cosmetics business. Okay. Yeah, and then he's got some schools as well for like the diplomats kids. In Bangladesh. Okay. All right. So back in the day, so he he comes over. He's off the boat, like fourth grade, right? Um, his pops brings buys him like some shoes from like JJ giveaway or something, right? You know, pink or something. You know, you know, Bengalis <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, Remember yeah. now, pink dudes can wear pink. They can wear pink now. But back in the day, no. you know, you 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 wore pink. It was over. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. For sure. But in Bangladesh, you still wore pink. You know. So uh, dad got him these pink shoes, and he just gets ripped on. Uh, he ends up, he ends up getting to a fight though, a first day. You know, these Bengali yeah, kids are rowdy. Yeah, fourth grade, yeah. 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 But then it's like, but the point is the parents don't give us, my dad in sixth grade gave me some goofy looking backpack, right? Everybody else had something like a, it was like, even, it was like a little kid's backpack. That's it. I forgot That's what it, it was. Yeah, yeah. It's like there's this, this, this like sometimes there were the immigrant <clears throat> parents when you had that, like we're that first generation that with our kids we won't make that no, no, mistake. We we're, we're more socially aware. Right, right. right. So with them it was just we could just, it's a bag that holds books and yeah. get the job done. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. yeah. The, 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 there's no concept of like fads and like none, none of that. being trendy. I, I don't get it either because I remember, I remember this very clearly. My older brother and I were dressed up like Arthur. Remember the show? Type <laughs> 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 Dude. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Arthur, man. I didn't think that. You had to think that, hey, I look like Arthur. No one could just come up with me. I look like Arthur off the fly. <laughs> That's dude. I hate that cartoon, by the way, man. It's a wonderful kind of day. No, please, no, no. I, I oh, always you don't like that. D- you don't like DW? Oh. DW, oh, DW. That, no, guys, I'll let you continue to say, but honestly, there's very few things that make me depressed. When I see that cartoon, I get so depressed. It dude's like an anteater or something, right? Hardbark. Is it Hardbark? dude. I can't stand that, bro. It's so, I was like, it's so, it makes me so sad, like genuinely sad. I get sad. I get sad. I, I could see how it gets depressing. It's so depressing, <laughs> bro. I like the series. I liked it, man. Yeah, I liked it too. Like it? I liked it too. Yeah. I never liked that show, dude. I, we watched. We had some quality <laughs> cartoons when we were young. Yeah, bro. We had DuckTales. We had DuckTales. No, X Men was on the weekends, right? Yeah. We had well, what else? Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, Rescue Rangers. Oh, Rescue Rangers. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck. Darkwing Duck. Only let's. Oh, did you hear? DuckTales is coming back. I think. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually there would be like four shows after school. Darkwing DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, Chip and Dale. But yeah. three before straight. school. Before school was one of the best cartoons ever. Gargoyles. Oh, Gargoyles? No, Gargoyles came after school. Uh, no, right. before school. It was in the morning. I remember watching the mornings. I know for a fact. Did you guys have... Was um, it? What was it called? There might, but there might have been a rerun before school started, but you watched Gargoyles for sure. Demona? Remember? Oh, like Dinosaucers? You ever seen that? Dinosaucers? Dinosaucers? Must have been Canadian TV, dog. No, it's in Ohio, bro. Ohio. It came on at 6 a.m. Probably a German dog cartoon. 6 a.m. Dinosaurs. It was like dinosaurs in space. What's up, bro? I'm trying to remember this one show. Oh, they got. Oh, dude. Anybody know CPR? What's up, happening, dude? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I can't so, you, yeah, you, so your pops dressed like Arthur. Just like Arthur, man. Just like Arthur. And I'm not fully aware that I'm dressed like that until I, I see myself in the mirror one day. I came home from school 
and I'm like, what the hell am I wearing? <laughs> You know? And the funny thing is, my I see, I've seen a picture of my dad when he was 20. My dad uh, got, was one of the first uh, batch of Bengali guys who got a full scholarship to the USSR, at the time Soviet Russia. Mm. He's, he's 20. <clears throat> my dad's father passed away when he was 13. And he's the oldest male, has one older sister, and then he has two younger brothers and numerous younger sisters. So he's having to take charge. He's having to really make himself uh, stand up on his feet. And he gets to the USSR. I see a picture of him, and he's like wearing like slim fit white shirt tucked into these black dress pants. He has like shades, and he's just like standing with his hands on his hips. I'm like, how the heck did this man dress me like this? (laughs) (laughs) Another picture of him. He has like that long Beatles hair, sunglasses. You know, my my dad that too. You know what I mean, dude? They they all were styling, and then they would dress up us, dress us up like complete. You know, like designed. They dressed you up with the sole purpose of getting big beat up. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, Hammer, he dressed fly, though, man. I I dressed fly. Yeah, you had <clears throat> nice clothes, mashallah. When was this? I don't want. When I you were young, <clears throat> that's no. I used to wear my older brother's clothes. That's why. Yeah, his, his older brother had some. <laughs> I remember nice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand me downs, right? Not even hand me downs. While he wasn't home and he wasn't looking at his clothes closet, and our oldest brother used to get really mad because yeah, yeah. I just like put it inside my <clears throat> backpack and. Then, uh, when I was in high school, and then I put it on when I got to school. And then like, who wore my shirt? Just a rip it. I, I did that to my brother all the time. All the time I did that. Yeah. So something days. we younger brothers do. Yeah, so now I, I got to figure out how you, how, how do you dress your daughters? Or they pick your own, their own clothes? My daughters? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't dress up my daughters. Um, my wife does. That's, That's my son, I take care of. <clears throat> okay. I mean, with my daughters, I, um, my, my older two, like, one time I took them school shopping. I just took him to Express or whatever, and I just, like, pick out whatever you want. It's just how out. Yeah. And they come back with, like, three or four, you know, items of dress. I'm like, I just told you guys, I just gave you a blank check to buy whatever you want. And you come back with, like, <laughs> three outfits or whatever, you know? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you, you're back to school shopping. you got to have, yeah, you yeah. know, new clothes and whatever. So, I mean. That's good. That's actually that, very good. No, no, I mean, this is a sign of the generations these days, Chef <laughs> You don't know. You have. You don't know yet. You you will soon. But mm. once your dogs grow up, they, it's it's not uh, as fashion heavy as it was when we were young. You know, mm. when everyone wanted to wear uh, what's it, jabot and jabrod. Yeah, cross colors and chess. Yeah, I think also like the kids like like um maybe they were like we'd rather pick you had go to a high end place and only take. Pick three outfits rather than go to Express, which is like fast fashion, mm, right? Yeah. Take them like Off White or Supreme. <laughs> no, no, no. They gotta pay two hundred eighty dollars for a sweatshirt. They have no idea what those stores are. Yeah. These are U.S. brands, huh? Yeah. Outlets? No, they're not outlets. You don't know each of them. You don't have to. No, we got each of them. Yeah, that's made in our motherland. You're talking about like yeah, for sure. like you guys have Roots. Roots is quality. Yeah, yeah. Roots is good. You yeah, know, is so like tell us about, what are the like the, the you know your clientele. What are the you talked about like addiction, the whole AA protocol, right? Yeah. That twelve step. Yeah. What are the um? Well, actually, I'll, I'll ask a couple of things. Um, Sim highlighted the whole point of like, all right, like sometimes it's you know you can't get up in the morning to go to the gym and he blamed himself because he couldn't etc but then reality is he's got four kids right and a, lot, a lot of dads a lot of muslim dads you know are already out of shape when you're already out of shape it's your fault is uphill climb you're not like a fit dad already no no exactly you, you know you're coming in with the dad bod okay then you've got like three or four kids 
So we get three or four kids. Usually, it's not really feasible to go to bed at nine thirty. Like, and then if you go go for fudger, it's like you gotta get a nap in or something if you want to be awake at work. So like sometimes your your, your situation is a lot more like you have you have this time constraint. So how does a, a father of four who's got a podcast and a, and like an intense IT job find what? What do you need an hour to go to the gym? If you've got an hour, like four days a week, you'd be good. Man, if I get a half hour in, it's a great. But I think if someone who's trying to be really productive, obviously this is your uh, answer. But I just want to. Isn't that another excuse though? Isn't that like kind of building on and piling on other excuses? But he's already got like because like some cats are already like. You know, plus his dad makes awesome biryani. I told you about, like, on the way here. Like, his dad makes, like, really good biryani. I, I told him to. Dude, you know, all the mills in their house are yeah. hot commodities, bro. They all know how to cook really well. All the who? All the mills. His brother? Oh, his brother is, like, a chef. Yeah. His brother is a chef like, in his own right. Barbecue. His dad's an awesome chef. Yeah, right? Fantastic. Yes. That's yes. Fantastic. See, these are, you guys call these these dudes outright bros. They can cook better than half the Daisy women in this country. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, the is, uh, he's not affiliated with the Mad Bum Books. And <laughs> Why are you apologizing for him, bro? I'm sleeping no. here today, right? No. <laughs> you have a point, man. Look, a lot, a lot of chefs that you see on the Food Network and whatnot, Gordon they're, they're all men. Yeah, they are. Men do know how to cook food very well. Uh-huh. Not all of them. The ones who do cook, they cook they really, really well. well. Yeah. The <clears throat> ones who don't know how to cook, they're, they're uh, slaves to their wives' recipes. Yeah. And they shouldn't complain. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> that's, that's it. That's, that's the right. scenario. So, how, how does a person like that, you know, where you've got this scenario, you've got this is your, these are your constraints in life. You have, because there's no eight hour work day work day. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah. how often are you able to go and just work eight hours and bounce? Sure. Never, never, right? So it's like nine ten. You probably commute half an hour. So let's say round trip an hour. You're you're basically already at twelve thirteen hours. You're also not not only using time, you're losing energy. Correct. Yeah, energy management, right? Losing energy. Right. So it's not time management. Like end of the day, you know. So he wants to because he realizes that in the morning is when he's got the full battery. So he needs to get to the gym because after work, you turn to go to the gym. You'd be like, I just want to go home and sleep or get coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right. So how do we ma- how does someone like that manage that? How do how do they break out of that rut, so to speak? So that's an, it's an it's an interesting conundrum because the, the 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 more your energy is spent, the less you have to fight your nuts, right? So it's about finding efficient ways to firstly do the tasks that you were obliged to do in the first place. Manage your family. You want to find the most optimal way to do things. You need to make sure everyone's on board. Your your wife, your kids, everyone has to be on board. So this is why, you know, part of uh, evolving uh, as a man in, 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 in the domain of fitness <clears throat> requires becoming more socially competent, too. You can't escape, you can't escape the, the, the need to become socially competent. If you're socially competent, you're trying to be socially competent. You're going you're gonna to make your relationships work for your goals, not against your goals, right? You, you need to understand how to openly talk to the people in your life about your goals. Everyone has to be involved because... Everyone in your life affects you making your goals possible or you failing to reach your goals. If you don't have that conversation and no one else in your life cares about you getting to the gym, you're going to find it 10 times harder to get to the gym. If your wife cares about your health, which she should, if your kids are, let's say they're older, they care about your health, which they should. It's a duty for children to, to care about their parents' health. 
then you're going to find that not only can you fight your nuffs, your whole family's going to help you fight your nuffs. They're going to help you stick to that day where you have to go to the gym. Dude, you obviously haven't been married. <laughs> <laughs> I've had other responsibilities. Like, because, like, wives, I think... No, no, well, firstly, I do have experience. Like, because the thing is, it's <laughs> like, a lot of times wives don't understand fitness. Uh, sometimes the wives are out of shape. Yeah. So how will they know about fitness? No, no, that's not true. So the wives not true. want you to be out of shape so they can feel better. <laughs> and they, they want to go out. And, and plus, if you, my wife always tells me, like, I don't care what you eat as long as it doesn't affect what I eat. Okay. So that's a problem. It's a problem. You know what I'm saying? So, like, she's a doctor. She's a gynecologist. She oh, looks at vaginas. Oh. That doesn't help <laughs> dudes with guts. All right? She's still a doctor. She, she went through medical school. Yeah. So but hey, can you at least give us a warning sign before you go off like that, dude? Maybe there's kids that are going to be watching. I, I tried to it's 11 p.m. at night. They shouldn't be awake right no, now. No, but this I is going to be watched I think some of them are watching. <laughs> I think some of the, the, the lines comes are watching. It's all like 17, so, you know. Yeah, they, 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 it's all, I, I just said it. a part of yeah, the woman's yeah. anatomy. <clears throat> That's cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's in textbooks in high school. All right? The thing is, so. though, if, you, if you're if managing relationships yeah. with your women folk, yeah. as a luddy, right. look, a lot of guys in, in the in the, in the the so-called orthodox conservative, conservative circles yeah. talk a big game on Facebook about we have to be luddies, but these same dudes can't even get their wives on board. I'm, I have experience with this, right? I have, I have experience not only in, in, a, in, a, in an intimate marital context, I've dealt with some of the most dysfunctional women you can imagine. Whoa. We're talking about narcissist awesome. borderlines. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Narcissist borderlines, they seem like they're the most innocent people in the world to society, but, but deep down they're very sinister people. I've dealt with guys who've been psychopaths. You see what I mean? Uh-huh. So it's like, <clears throat> you need to know how to stand behind your expectations, especially if those expectations are functional. Yeah. They benefit everyone, especially as a man. Like, if your wife uh, doesn't care about health, you are responsible for getting to understand that health is important. My dad, he's like 66 now. He just straight up tells my mom, you need to exercise. He'll tell her that. And she doesn't cry. She doesn't get offended. She knows that her son, me, as a personal trainer, should come to me, and I will try my best to help her. You see what I mean? Uh-huh. <clears throat> Likewise, he himself, he's 66. Uh, most uncles, I get it, they, they don't have this in them, but he, you know, he, he takes charge proactively to go to the gym three times a week. He, he's been a, a triple, no, quadruple bypass surgery patient. And this was when he was, I was, I was 18. So this would have been uh, seven, seven years, years ago. ago. So he was just, he was just 59. He, at this point, he had stopped smoking for almost 15 years. Uh, no, not 15, maybe 11 years. And and for that, those 11 years, he had made a complete 180-degree change. He was eating well. He was exercising, going for walks. But he still had a, a clog in his heart. Or not his heart, sorry, his arteries. Four of them. And <clears throat> he was very troubled because he, he felt that those 11 years were wasted. That he tried, you know, to live healthily. And yet all those years of smoking caught up anyways. But he didn't give up. He, he, kept, he kept sticking to a routine. While having to commute to work, living uh, only two or three days at home with us, and the rest of the time by himself in Toronto, and my mom is at home with three sons trying to take care of us, he found time to work out and stay healthy, being the main breadwinner, having all these challenges, having to be away from his family for those many days, and then come back on the weekend. On the weekend, he came, he would do all the cooking for us. My mom was working, and he made a deal with her, I think, at one point, saying, look, if you work... And you're doing something that is <clears throat> not far on you, then I will help with certain tasks at home. He just likes cooking too, so he did that. He still worked out. You see what I mean? Yeah. He yeah. still worked out. Yeah. My mom still understood the necessity of health too. 
Sure. I can talk to her frankly about it. I can talk to girls frankly about it. I hear all these stories about guys saying, well, my wife will get this way, or you haven't been married. I don't buy it. Because I, I, I've, been, I've been in context where I've been very personal with people uh, who would get triggered around many other people. And yet with me, I, was, I just stood behind my expectation. Uh-huh. And they understood that <clears throat> I meant well for them. Sure. You see what I mean? Yeah. I really meant well for them. And I didn't budge. I didn't budge when they got offended. Yeah. But I would also provide incentive, uh-huh. you see, for them to actually care. Yeah. And that can take many forms. Softness, understanding, uh, empathizing, uh, motivating. Now, if you're trying to be... <coughs> excuse me. If you're trying to be uh, forthright without giving incentive to a person uh-huh. in the form of, I care about you, um, I'm also understandable, I'm also reasonable, they might be more reluctant to listen. I get it. But if you take the right approach and you're balancing Jalal and Jamal and your approach as a man, they'll, they'll get, they're going to listen. So to the, back to the original question, if you're open with your family and you take steps, this depends entirely on how far you've let go of being healthy with your family. Mm-hmm. For some guys, if this is the first time in 10 years that they've tried being open, it's not going to happen overnight. Their wives very well may be Unreasonable. Well, they're skeptical. Skeptical. Yeah. Their their kids may very well be uns- may be spoiled, but that's not because it's it's impossible to get them to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. It's because for the last ten years you weren't doing the the active work of shaping them to mm-hmm. understand. Sure, sure. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. right. You're working against ten years now. Yeah, yeah. So naturally, it's going to take time. But let's say you have been. Well, then they're going to actually be more understanding mm-hmm. most of the time. And even if you haven't been, take that first step. Get them to be. Get them connected with other families who are. Yeah. Right? Because then not only are you trying to shape them yourself, you're going to have that, that cultural effect too. Oh, well, that puppy, that auntie, that sister, well, her and her family, they live healthily. Okay. My husband might have a point. Oh, my teacher in, in Arabic class supports this idea. Okay. Yeah. She, I guess we've reinforced. <clears throat> and, and a socially competent man understands that shaping behavior has multiple uh, stages. Yeah. Right? There's the individual stage, then there's the, the family stage, then there's the, the communal, communal stage, yeah. so on and so forth. Mm. Each step has to, you have to try to get each step to be on the same page and sure. to reinforce uh, the, the expectation you're placing. We're in a, we're in a world of jihadiyah, where in reality, in practice, it's, it's often the opposite. You and what you're trying to do as a responsible man, everyone else is going against. Mm. Everything you teach your children, the moment they step outside your house, they're going to get the completely opposite conflicting yep. message. Yep. Yeah. I get that. But <clears throat> you guys saw on each other, right? That That's also true, that, that that happened, that you found each other, and that you all have kids, mm-hmm. and that your kids can get to know each other. And right. there, you, there you go. You have a circle right there yeah. that can reinforce the same expectation you guys hold. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. much more powerful than just you or just you or just you telling your, your wives or your kids, I need to go to the gym tomorrow. Yeah. You see? I know this from, from experience because I've done this in Waterloo. Yeah. I've done this in Hamilton to multiple communities and mm. in multiple uh, stages. Yeah. So basically, <clears throat> uh, since we had you on the show, we're getting all this for free then. Yeah. You're getting it for free That man. was my hidden $500. question about the food. <laughs> no, I need some of those rings. Sid <laughs> <laughs> you know, is such a giving guy. If you ask him for anything, he'll give it to you. Yeah. Ask no, him no, no, for no. <laughs> 
Ask him, for, ask him for his laptop. Ask him for his phone. Yeah, so, um... I want to wrap it up. We're going to wrap it up here because it's 11 p.m. Sure, And sure. I'm going to uh, drive Fahim back. back. <clears throat> I had a lot of questions for him, but anyway. Uh, we're going to bring we'll you... Fahim comes again. to Chicago like once a year because his once a year, man. older brother uh, lives in Chicago. Goes a PhD student here, right? Yeah, he's brothers. a PhD student. Yeah, so, oh, oh, by the way... Biophysics. Uh, and trying to get married. He's trying to get married. He's an eligible bachelor. Yeah, yeah. He's a good dude. Like Fahim is an eligible bachelor as well. Yeah. Fahim doesn't believe well. in getting married, right, Fahim? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I got to ask I gotta ask him, what, you know, number one and two. Yeah. <laughs> number three is open right now, but the problem is... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Me to, me to be careful. You, you might stay a bachelor for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, his, uh, what if I'm not lying though? Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, for free advertising for uh, Flame's older brother here. Uh, <clears throat> if y'all want to like uh, get with them, hit me up, hit, hit us up with a DM, and we'll link it. Up. <coughs> Inshallah. But my older brother's a really sincere dude. He's probably one of the most uh, authentic guys I know. And uh, he he's he, like we were talking earlier about having one face. He's like that, you know. Inshallah. He very much. Yeah. This is who I am. Ooh, yeah. I, I got, I've met him a couple of times. I last year he came, and then I saw him. Ran into the, the pleasure of meeting your younger brother too, which I was really really impressed. Like like I told, like I didn't really tell him this, but twenty one year old kid, you know, see he had a really good head on straight. You know, absolutely. You know, seems like your parents are doing something right. So I'm doing like a good family. So these brothers are all eligible. But the 21-year-old, we ain't trying to get him married yet because um, oh, as we need to get him, uh, uh, because just because the market for women at his age is very small. That's right. And we need to maximize. Um, <clears throat> Gotta get the older fellas married off first. Right, right. Get you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll let uh, the younger bro age like the fine wine he is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fine halal, non-alcoholic wine, wine like wine of Jannah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, how can people find out more about you? Um, yeah, yeah, you can you can hit me up and you can ask me about my specific services. I offer fitness, corrective exercise, mixed martial arts. For example, in my community, I hold uh, brothers workshops. You teach mixed martial arts too? I teach. I'm a boxer. Mashallah. I got 13 years of experience. Alhamdulillah. I didn't know that. We, we I guess, skipped that. No, up. I saw a clip of you uh, of punching a. Uh, uh, what was that? I think it was that that ball that has the two strings attached. Oh, it was probably a reflex bag. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It was a doll of Sheikh Casino. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get one of those. I don't have one of those yet. Did you compete at all? I know we should talk about. Oh, did. did you? I did. Yeah. That's pretty cool, yeah. man. I had no idea. It's like next year when you come back. Are you gonna come back before next year to Chicago? Like, why is it only we once? We got a year? it, man. We, we didn't talk about a lot of the. Well, you need to come on a weeknight. The problem. Okay, so tomorrow. Sheikh Amr and I have the flight to Isna, Houston for Isna. Sim's going on Saturday, right? I st- we still got to go to work tomorrow and, like, you know, do what work with man. Get our packing done. <clears throat> yeah, get our packing so done, right? I understand. I understand. Go home now the, ti- the timing yeah. just wasn't convenient, but I'm yeah. really glad that we, we talked about it. It was great that we got a chance to sit down and chill, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, that was that was beautiful. Yeah, and, and then you, and all the ethers man guys do the offer. He gave us some awesome ethers. Yeah, and some awesome. Well, my uh, pleasure. He got it from Turkey, right? Uh, Turkey from uh, some, some of the stuff was from Turkey. Yes, yeah, what from, a gentleman, uh, mashallah. I, I, can you can you talk about your book that's coming up or yet or no? Yeah, I can I can discuss some, uh, a little bit about that. Um, yeah. What's our time constraint right now? Ten minutes. Uh, yeah, yes, a few yeah. minutes. Sure, five, five minutes. Five. Let's go five. Five minutes. Let's go five. Okay, There are a number of projects I'm working on. One of them is the Islamic Discourse Initiative. I'm doing that with a number of really good brothers. Some are in Bangladesh. Uh, shout out to Ahmed. Uh, shout out to 
Ikram al-Islam. He's in the States. Shout out Ikram al-Islam? Ikram al-Islam. Just, just continue. You know yeah, sounds like a prophet. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like it, the way he said it. <laughs> um, Abdullah Mu'taz. Um, Sayyid Shahir. Don't just stay quiet. Sayyid Shahiruddin. Um, there's Sayyid Hassan Raza. There's Muhammad in Australia. There's just so many. They're all around the world. And they're great people because they're focused on the dawah. They, they, they're trying to take on a sort of Yaqeen Institute type of look and feel, except they're very um, straight up and blunt about every topic they discuss. We have ta- we have articles on feminism. We have articles on capitalism, um, history, the the recent uh, issue, the Bukhari Gate. Remember that issue? Ooh. We, have, we have an article in defense of Bukhari against Nahim Ajmo. We call him out straight up. Oh, no. Yeah. That's my boy. We got beef, man. Nah. <laughs> no, look, I disagree with him, but, but I, hey, I disagree with him, but he's still a friend. That's that's fine. That's fine. For and you. I think you know if you talk to him, he will talk back to you. And, and I tried, man. Discussion. He blocked me. I was I was nice to him. <laughs> what <laughs> he blocked me? Are you serious? Yeah, you were nice. I was nice. He, he'll only block usually when you're you're coming across as kind of a jerk. I was straight up nice, man. I was very. Well, you should have just messaged him privately. I'll, I'll I'll put you in touch. You wanna you wanna talk to him? We'll see. We, 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 can be, we can be intermediaries. Okay, sure, sure. Inshallah. How about this? You can my be his wali. Why don't you be his wali? My team How's can that? talk to him. My team. You yeah. can be his wali. Because we, we, we can deliver that constructive criticism to him. Yeah. And we can have a, we can have a facilitated discussion. I, so, feel, I feel like a lot of, a lot of our, our um, you know, uh, misunderstandings and, and um, not necessarily misunderstandings, even our disagreements can be figured out through discussion. And, and some of the things that you may have thought that are you were super, you know, stringent on as being part of your belief. Sure. You will find out that there's actually some, some uh, disagreement, that there's room for disagreement in some of that discourse. Yeah. So, And you yeah. can find that, like you said, that there is there is a basis for that disagreement. There are premises right. that you should understand. Right. I get that. And I'm, I'm always open yeah. to discussion. Yeah. The other party is. So our, our project is, is a DAO project. We, we try uh, publishing academic papers, and I try to simplify them. In a, in a sort of street dial way, on Instagram Live, in person, doing little workshops where I'm trying to condense some complicated ideas, like the argument from contingency for God's existence. How do you how do you explain that to like a group of fourteen year old guys, oh, yeah. high school guys? And so my job is to try to try, try to do that, <clears throat> and I, I sometimes combine my dial efforts through and with Focus One Eighty. Like last week uh, or two weeks ago, I was in a city called Hamilton, and I, I did. Uh, Futula workshops, masculinity workshops for young young guys, the seventeen year old brothers that are that are tuning in the one eighty lines, um, which is a service I offer. Mm. Uh, it's it's a coming of age program for young boys, and um, through through Islamic Discourse Initiative, through Focus One Eighty, um, I have uh, acquired <clears throat> so much data on on the human condition and many levels of it. How, what, what, what's up with you know young guys? What's up with uh, young women in their twenties? I decided to put together a book that I'm writing on personal development, personal development in this age, and it covers a lot of the topics that we talked about. I know that in this age, this stuff is really popular because look at Jordan Peterson; his Twelve Rules of Life blew up, man, yeah. blew up, and a lot of it was common sense. It really was. But my aim for this book is for it to be a cold, hard look at personal development. Without without using any gimmicky, you know, lines or yeah. any gimmicky concepts that just sell. The you know what I mean? thing is, like, 
12, <clears throat> 12 rules of life don't just succeed in a vacuum. Like, if I wrote it, it, would, it wouldn't even come. I was going to say It wouldn't be nothing. You know, it, yeah. it would just be a blip on the radar. Because Jordan Peterson built up a character and he built up this huge following. That's a marketing principle. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so and him have getting in trouble by the university and all that stuff for his... Uh, and it's, that's why he released his book now. You know, he didn't yeah, write yeah. this... He's smart. 20 he years ago. Yeah. Right? He knows what's up. Yeah. But even still, like, there is a huge market for this stuff because people are confused. People, yeah. More and more people are, are becoming cognizant of mental health issues. More and yeah. more people, you know, are getting more comfortable getting help. So it's like there's a market for this stuff, and more and more people want in on it. So I decided, you know what? There's too much progressive perspectives on this topic. I want to offer a more orthodoxy grounded and just real perspective. Um, that's gonna that I believe that I believe will definitively offer value to people who want to improve. It's not gonna be fluffy. It's not gonna be something that people are necessarily like and accept, especially if they have progressive pre- uh, premises. Um, and not even, not even, you know, not even that all progressive premises are wrong outright. But generally speaking, if you are progressive oriented, you're probably gonna be brushed the wrong way. That's just the fact. But guess what? You need to, you need to be challenged if you want to grow. And I believe that the the work that I'm putting together, inshallah, is gonna be beneficial. It reflects my work with my own clients and the patterns I've noticed that have led them to succeed, that have led them to go through growth that have led them to actually solve their problems. So inshallah, that is up and coming. Um, <clears throat> my website is first and foremost going to be put together. It's currently in the works. I delayed that for like three years. I, I, I don't know how I did it, but I, I, I operated without a website for three years, four years, and it worked. How many clients do you have? Currently at this point, I will have anywhere between, like a few people are joining. I won't include them. So without them, about 50 internationally, right? Right. Some of them are in person, some of them are international. Some people in the UK. That's impressive. Alhamdulillah. Trinidad, Alhamdulillah. Uh, Canada. What about Tobago? <laughs> no one in there. No, Everyone ignores Tobago. Tobago it's Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago. Did you, do you think it's called Tobacco or Tobago? Tobago. Tobago. Okay, I thought you said Tobacco. I made a post about it recently and I didn't include it. Mm-hmm. You know who's from Trinidad and Tobago, don't you? My friend Khalil. No. My marketing lead. Conspiracy theorist shit. That you know, the Dajjal's coming anytime soon. I'm not familiar. Imran, oh, Imran, Imran Hussein, Imran Hussein, he's, he's from there. Yeah, I think so. Really, right. I thought he was Pakistani. When I first saw a picture of you, I thought that you were Guyanese or from Trinidad or something. Alhamdulillah, yeah, they're cool people, man. They're very cool, they're very cool people. I see little some bros. All right, man, I gotta go home. I gotta drop this guy out and go home. <laughs> And make him cookies. take an Uber, bro. It'd be the manly thing to do. I thought about doing that, but then I was like, I gotta pick his brain some more. <laughs> yeah. By myself. <laughs> Unless you want to drive him. But all right, for our listeners out there, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at themadmamlukes at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We are on YouTube Live, so subscribe on YouTube. Like like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Share the videos, video. tell your friends and family. This work is important. If you guys do not support it, we will close up shop and call it a day. Thank you very much. The Mad Mamluks. And then new email address, right? Yeah, info at the Mad Mamluks. So do not email the old Gmail address anymore. Um, it's been shut down. You know, if you... Um, oh, oh, shout out to um, Abdullah Muni, my assistant <laughs> trainer, <laughs> and Khalib. 
He's my marketing Kalim director. Kalim the Dream. Kalim the Dream and Abdullah Munir. They're the two newest interns on the Folks 180 Mashallah. team. Oh, very nice. Alhamdulillah. The oh, Dream team. You, you got an... You got some. You have interns. Time. We don't have interns, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got some interns. We got a lot of beautiful people helping out for this effort. And Behind the scenes, hardly yeah. ever get any credit. Yeah. We should we should give some shout out. Farheen Dayala. Farheen. Yeah, I've been out in SoCal doing so much great work. Amir Budwani. Our awesome accountant. Work. My wife, Noreen. Mashallah. Did I inspire awesome. you guys to get credit for it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been hoarding all. We want people to think it's just three of us and more. Yeah. You know what, guys? Jazakallah khair. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, is that the plural yeah. form or Jazakum Allah khairan? Jazakum is when it's plural. Jazakum Allah khairan. Yeah, when you are addressing okay. three people, it's Jazakum. Jazakum. MashaAllah, he's like, he's got it. He got it, bro. I say it that way, usually, even if it's a singular context. Yeah, if you say it, if you say it in plural tense, it's a little Arabic we can learn to right now, inshallah. If you use a plural term with one person, it's a sign of high respect. High respect. Like, Akhmi. Like, you speak. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, like you're speaking to them as a group. He knows Apni. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, of course. But I knew, I knew some Bengali, I don't know the pronoun, but they would say Apon. Okay, so when you Apon. reply then, is it, Waiyak is singular and Waiyakum oh, Apon is, is for us, plural? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, Apon. So Waiyak is singular and Waiyakum is plural? Yeah. <coughs> so same thing. Waiyakuma is for two. Alright, alright. Alright, we gotta wrap this up. Mahin, come on. So, I, I hear the wrap up already. We are here, so for our special guest, Fahim Farouk, Focus 180. We got my co-host Sheikh Amr Saeed and Sim. This is Mahin signing off for the Mad Mamluks. Assalamu alaikum. Hey, wala. Hey, wala. Oh, and don't, don't forget about Isna. Oh yeah, Isna. See you at Isna yeah. Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. If we don't get rained out, peace. Yeah. Leave tomorrow night. Yeah. yeah. Bismillah. We ain't get rained out. All right. Oh man, I feel so bad. <laughs> Shakir, you were telling me why, dude. <laughs>